name is Miranda. I live not too far away. I live in Greeley. Um, I have been working as a local church pastor for 12 years, and uh, about a year and a half ago, God very clearly told me to quit. And I went, oh, okay. Um, all right, wasn't expecting that. Um, and then about a year after that, Tanya from World Hope, uh, she reached out to me and said, hey, I have an opportunity, what do you think? Uh, not knowing that God had very clearly directed me to quit. So it's been a season of transition. Uh, now I work full time with World Hope International, which is an absolutely uh, fantastic organization and just something that I'm really uh, loving. I'm Deborah, and I'm from Halifax, Nova Scotia, and I work at Cornerstone Wesleyan as the missions pastor there, and also work part-time for World Hope. I started working for World Hope in 2019, ready to take lots of trips and to travel a lot around the churches. You're my first church in 2021. <laughs> so things got off to a little bit of a rocky start, as we all know. Uh, so yeah, we're um, going to just jump right in. So Luke 21, 25 to 36 says, there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man is coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near." Then he told them a parable, look at the fig tree and all of the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that day catch you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So this fall, I had the privilege of going to a camp on Keats Island on the West Coast. It's a small island nestled between mainland BC and Vancouver Island. And as a landlocked Ontarian, I took every opportunity to be outside and to walk by the ocean. One of the things I noticed was how the fog lifted and settled multiple times a day so that at certain points you could see to the very tops of the mountains around us and at other times you could barely see anything at all. There was a continual movement between hiddenness and a revealing of the breathtaking landscape around us. One afternoon, a group of us hiked to one of the highest points on the island to look out over the ocean. But when we got to that highest point, there was a thick covering of fog and we could barely see anything around us at all. Truthfully, it was a little disappointing to have reached this high peak without the reward of the view. We wanted to take in the beauty that we knew to be all around us. Now, Pastor Dan has been preaching through the lectionary, and when he asked us to preach, we were given this week's readings to choose from. And if I'm being completely honest, this morning's text from the book of Luke seems a little odd for an Advent reading. 
It's rather intense and foreboding. It seems at the surface that it's anticipating a terrible and frightful future, not the redemption of the world. Now, we would categorize this passage of scripture as apocalyptic. What picture pops into your head when you hear that word? Flying asteroids, destruction, everything's undoing perhaps. But in the biblical sense of the word, apocalyptic simply means an unveiling or revealing, seeing things as they really are, knowing what is in fact true. When the fog lifted around Keats Island, I could see for myself the incredible landscape that surrounded us. But it wasn't until that fog lifted that the reality of things were revealed for what they really were. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, a season marked by preparation, anticipation, and waiting for someone or something to be revealed. Now, we live in a time of history where we kind of know the end of the story. Spoiler alert, Jesus, son to Mary and Joseph, the carpenter from Nazareth, is the Messiah, the awaited one, the son of God. So if we know, well then, what are we waiting for, or preparing for, or even anticipating? I would suggest that just as the Israelites were awaiting their Messiah, the one who would save them, who would free them, who would change their position in the culture and the political structure, we might find ourselves longing for similar things. How many times have you found yourself saying, I can't wait for this pandemic to be over or for things to go back to normal? We notice how polarized conversations have become and how many people fall through the cracks of society. We long for change for transformation, for saving. Before we go any further, let's take a few moments to look back and see where Jesus is coming from, because we've jumped into the middle of a conversation. Jesus had just been in the temple of Jerusalem with his disciples. While they were watching the activity around them, Jesus observes something and uses it as a teachable moment. He's not impressed with the religious leaders who put on a big show as they put their money into the coffers, which not only looked impressive, but would have sounded impressive too. Remember, it would have been a coin-based currency at the time. So when the elite put their offerings in, it would have sounded quite impressive. Listen to all those coins dropping. Jesus takes the time to point out the widow who gave all she had to live on. It would have been so easy to overlook her offering. It would have barely made a sound at all. But Jesus wasn't impressed by big gifts given away that made no difference to the giver's well-being. These gifts made to impress out of the excess of what they had required no faith or trust. Jesus is here highlighting the unseen qualities of trust and dependence through the actions of the widow. These are what's valued in God's kingdom. Jesus is revealing what is true about the hidden reality of internal motivations. After this episode and having left the temple, the disciples, having quickly forgotten what Jesus had just been teaching them, are pointing out how impressed they are with the building itself. Look at the beautiful stones and the gifts given to God. The disciples don't get it. 
They're still focused on the grandeur of the temple, the physical building, that which can be seen with human eyes. The lesson didn't resonate. So in a dramatic moment, Jesus declares that the temple will be destroyed and uncovers signs of what is to come. There was an inability to see the reality of things on the part of the disciples. This is the beginning of the apocalyptic passage we find ourselves in this morning. Jesus is revealing and uncovering what is true and what will be true. And let's pause for a moment and consider some of what we see happening around us. We're going to veer in the opposite of the direction of the disciples this morning, identifying not the grand and the beautiful, which of course exist in our culture, but the broken, the hurting, and the suffering. In many countries, children with disabilities are not seen as children to be loved and cherished. They're instead seen as a curse, demonic, a witch, and ultimately a burden to society. Without intervention, these children are left in a chronic state of sameness. They cannot develop, grow, change, learn, or experience life. Because to those around them, they are not worthy. Many around those children are scared of them. They're scared that they will harm their family. They're scared that they will curse their own children. They're scared that they will bring destruction to their society. There is little knowledge or education or support about these children with disabilities so that their families are ultimately shamed, ostracized, ignored, or harassed. Poor health care contributes to high rates of physical and mental disabilities in Sierra Leone. Unfortunately, a widespread cultural misunderstanding of disability, com- complicated by the lack of health care and other public support services, make children living with physical and mental disabilities some of the world's most vulnerable children. Extensive poverty, traditional beliefs, and illiteracy often leaves the affected children rejected or abandoned or seen as a curse to their family. Many of, the, many of these children live in slums high up in the hills with little access to get them help that they need. The brokenness that comes from this goes against everything that Jesus teaches us about loving others, taking care of those who are hurting, and that children are precious to him. So this is just one example of the brokenness that exists in our world. And even as we speak, you may be feeling your own uncertainty and pain about situations that you are facing right now. Nowhere in scripture does God tell us to be overwhelmed and retreat when we feel the weight of the world's brokenness. So what do we do with the suffering, our own and others, and how do we reconcile the injustice that, if we look, we see all around us? Suffering is not an uncommon experience. Perhaps we could say that it is in fact the most common experience. We all suffer and experience pain in our own way. And maybe if we feel bold enough, we find ourselves calling out to God or to the universe or into the emptiness. Why? Is this all there is? What is true? Whether we are able to admit it or not, we're all broken and cut off from God, the one who has created you and who loves you. This life is a perpetual breaking apart of all things, nature, relationships, our bodies. It is hopeless and purposeless, the pain and the suffering, until the cries of a baby broke into the quiet of a silent night. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, entered into our experience and into our pain and suffering. 
God himself became embodied, took on human form, not just theoretically or partially, but fully God and fully human. Not so that he could be the best empathizer, although truthfully he is that, but so that within himself he could take on all of our brokenness and suffering in order to redeem it and restore us. It is true that suffering without purpose is pointless and futile. Jesus Christ came to redeem and restore us and our suffering. He did this by allowing his life to be taken, by dying on a cross, by giving up his perfect life. He was raised back to life and with his ours too if we choose to receive it. His invitation to all of us is to know him in his suffering just as he is with us in ours. His invitation is to trust him, Jesus Christ, with and for your life. In every moment, you are being invited to trust Jesus and what he did for you through his death and resurrection, being raised back to life for himself and for you and for the world. This is what we are waiting for, preparing for, anticipating, not just to remember that Jesus Christ was born as a baby, but to experience the transformation that happens as we choose to trust him. This is the gospel. This is the truth that the kingdom of God is not far off or that it will be established at some future point, but that it was ushered in through Christ and is being established even now if we will have the eyes to see and the faith to trust and the courage to act. After making bold statements about what the future holds, Jesus then tells a parable pointing to a fig tree as a sign of the revelation of the kingdom of God. This parable is unlike what we're maybe used to in Jesus's parables. It's both an observation and a warning. Jesus says to look for the leaves on the trees and then you will know that summer is near. In the same way, there are signs of the kingdom of God. Look for them. Keep your eyes open and your heart tuned in. This is where you should focus your attention and your energy. I want to remind us of another account of Jesus and a fig tree. In this odd little account in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus sees a fig tree in leaf. He's hungry and so goes to see if there are any figs on it. When he comes to the tree, he finds that there are no figs and curses it. Why? Because the tree appeared to be something that it wasn't. The phrase in leaf meant that it appeared mature, and if it in fact was, then there should have been fruit. The kingdom of God will be revealed for what it truly is, and so will our place in it. Being a part of the kingdom is both positional, as we depend on Jesus for our life and salvation, and also revealed through our actions, like those of the widow. That's where World Hope International's Enable the Children program comes in. They show that they have mature leaf, that they have something growing, something changing in them. ETC is a team of local and expat staff who provide physiotherapy, occupational therapy, care and support services to over a thousand children living with disabilities in Freetown, Sierra Leone. More than half of the children enrolled in ETC suffer from cerebral palsy. Others cope with acquired brain injury, muscular dystrophy, orthopedic challenges, and many more. Children with Down syndrome or autism also face discrimination and limited opportunities. And the program doesn't just work with the family. 
The program goes out and works with the whole community. ETC goes in and helps educate local teachers, clergy, government workers, neighbors, and family members. They want them all to be the village, to raise up these children and to know that they are a blessing from God. They teach them that these children are precious in God's sight and that no matter what, they matter to him and that they matter to us. In 2018, I had the opportunity to take my first trip to Sierra Leone and on my last day, I got to go around with some of the guys who work for ETC. Um, they're physiotherapists, they're, they're local guys who are taking the training so that they can help these families. We hopped in the back of this lovely truck um, with no seat belts and you like bumped along these hilly roads and just prayed that everything stayed inside of you. And as we got to each house, we were doing house calls up in the hills um, got to each of these homes, and these grown men who live in a society where this is not normal got down on the ground with these children and started working with them. And not just doing physiotherapy, but laughing with them and playing with them and making them smile. And it was just so incredible to see this work in action. Each home had a different story, a different outcome for their children. Some were so excited to talk about how when ETC started working with their kids, they couldn't walk or talk, they didn't go to school. But now, months or years in, they're in school and they're thriving and they're walking or they're talking and they're doing things that they never would have been able to do without this intervention. Some people had sadder stories that they didn't know which day would be their last with their child but it was their goal to make every day good for them. That they would work with ETC to make sure that their children were comfortable and well cared for. We arrived at Christopher's home um, as one of our last visits and we, we went up and started talking with his mom and they started telling the story of Christopher's life and it was just his mom and him and um, they started talking about how they used to live somewhere else and that Christopher's father just could not understand his little boy. He couldn't understand why he was like this, why he was cursed, why there was something wrong with him, and that society would, would look down on their family. And so Christopher's father tried injecting him with poison. But his mother was so brave, and she scooped that little boy up, and she ran. And she ran away from her family and her friends and her community and started over with Christopher. And they started working with ETC, and they come in and they work with this family, and they make sure they have everything that they need so that Christopher can grow and learn and be taken care of and known as a child of God. As we were getting ready to leave, I asked if I could pray with Christopher and his mom, and so I, I put my hands on them and I prayed for them, and it was such a wonderful experience. But then after I prayed, Christopher said something. And his mom said, he wants to pray for you now. And so this little boy who, who I couldn't understand him and he couldn't walk and, and he's had this sad life, laid his little hand on me and prayed for me and prayed that Jesus would take care of me. You see, we have a call to action. What does it mean to us if we just watch the suffering if we just see it from a distance? What if we just see the brokenness in the world and ignore it? 
we read that Jesus wants us to be a part of the solution. So what can we do? Cornerstone has been partnering with World Hope for a few years now, and it's so wonderful when churches decide to take on something bigger than themselves. When they decide that they want to put their money where their mouths are. When they say, you know what, we want to see a difference in the world and not just our local community. We want to see a difference all over. We want people to find dignity and justice and love and, of course, Jesus. We have the opportunity to bring relief to the suffering, to use our resources to help those in need. Take our Enable the Children program, for example, we can take it to the next level to reach more families, more children, more communities. The kids in this program rely on the generosity of others to create a new life and new opportunities for them. Enable the Children is like the kingdom of God because it fights for the poor, for the lowly, and the people who the community treat the worst. God makes a place for all of us in his kingdom, and he wants each of us to have a seat at the table. When the woman in the temple gave everything she had, it didn't matter that she was offering less than those around her. What mattered is she trusted God with her life. And the children in our ETC program discovered Jesus' love through our amazing therapists who work with these children and their families each day. So we're in the season of Advent, a season of waiting, preparation, and anticipation. We know the one who we wait for and wait on. For the Israelites, after hundreds of years of waiting, their Messiah came, and the kingdom of God was ushered in through Christ. We find ourselves in a period of time that's called sometimes already, not yet. The kingdom of God is not some distant reality. It is here, and yet we do not see and experience it in all of its beauty and perfection. We still experience pain, loss, and brokenness. Some days we catch glimpses of the mountaintops. But if we're honest, perhaps most days we can only see the fog around us. This is the reason that we are invited to trust Christ Jesus with our lives. This is why we pray that the Holy Spirit would open our eyes and help us to pay attention for signs of the kingdom. And this is why we participate through our actions to help others catch those glimpses too. We are invited to become apocalyptic in the biblical sense, that our lives reveal and uncover what is true through our posture, through our words, and through our actions. We become agents of God's kingdom, noticing where he is at work, the signs of the kingdom, and joining in. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would give us eyes to see your kingdom. Would you give us faith to trust you when we cannot see clearly? And would you give us courage to act in step with your Holy Spirit? Amen. Um, Briefly, um, I shared a little bit that I got to be out on the West Coast uh, this fall, and you um, 
have probably heard about what's going on in BC and all of the flooding and there's still lots of uncertainty. Um, World Hope International actually partners with the Salvation Army Church um, and they do disaster response domestically. And so the Salvation Army has been in BC and has been serving um, right since the outset and they're still there. Um, we just wanted to let you know that if you wanted to contribute to the disaster relief that's happening in BC, if you wanted to support uh, the work of Salvation Army and also um, their volunteers, which World Hope actually partners with them and trains people to do disaster response domestically, um, that you can actually make a donation through World Hope and then World Hope will send that money uh, on to Salvation Army to that disaster relief and work. So we just wanted to let you know.